CBDC is the only bank dedicated exclusively to entrepreneurs. That's why we're proud to support women entrepreneurs with the Thrive Podcast, providing startup women with the support and resources they need to start and grow their business. An award-winning entrepreneur, one of Canada's most powerful women, and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs. This is your host, Janice McDonald, for the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network. Listening to the Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. On this show, we connect you with leading innovators, change makers, and organizations helping women to own it in entrepreneurship. The Thrive Podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community and voice for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada, the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community and subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes and Google Play Music. I'm your host, Janice McDonald, president of the Beacon Agency and Startup Canada's ambassador for women entrepreneurs. We're thrilled to have finance mentor Elaine Orr on our show today. Elaine Orr is a professional accounting expert with a passion for entrepreneurs and small business owners. She has given so much to the Startup Canada community as a regular mentor, as an expert guest on the bi-weekly Twitter chat, Hashtag Startup Chats. Elaine's experience spans three decades, two continents, and numerous private, public, and not-for-profit organizations. In 2010, she launched the Ottawa-based bookkeeping company, Balancesheets.ca, to help committed business owners measure their performance and analyze financial statements. Welcome, Elaine. Hi, Janice. Thanks for having me on. So I thought maybe we could start with a broad question about what the key message you hope our listeners will take away from our conversation today. Well, I think I hope that your listeners will um, go away from this uh, podcast realizing the importance of getting your books in order early on, as, as soon as you start any kind of business expenses or business revenue at all. And the really the value of having an accounting professional either do them for you or supervise you while you're doing them. Okay, perfect. So that's a great framework for what we're going to talk about. A lot of the times uh, entrepreneurs find themselves, you know, so overrun, they're into the business. And as you said, you, you want them to be financially fit in terms of their business from day one. So how do you build that? What are the steps you need to take to actually achieve that? Well, I would say one of the first steps is, you know, as soon as you think about starting a business, consult an accountant or bookkeeper to find out 
how you should start tracking all your income and expenses, when you should start tracking your income and expenses, and how to get maybe even a set of books set up for you so that you've got the framework and a little bit of training to show you how to enter things if if you're not in a position to hire a, um, an accounting professional right away. Um, ideally, you, the business owner, wouldn't be doing their own bookkeeping and accounting because that's taking away from what their business is that they're meant to be doing and making mm-hmm. the actual making of money. Um, but it's really important to understand what your obligations are to the government, whether you have to register for HST, whether you you know you you need to get a business number, will you be signing up for payroll? There's there's so many pitfalls that it's a real shame to see someone that has a successful business Mm -hmm. fall you know that business maybe fall apart because they just they haven't known what they didn't know okay and so when you talk about the pitfalls what are some of these pitfalls that you see typically in in you know entrepreneurs when they've got their business up and running well, and how do we avoid them? I yes, guess yes. is important. You know, it's funny. Um, one of the one of the first things I see is you know when I've done mentoring for Startup Canada and we've done like speed mentoring, and mm-hmm. I often I get a group of people around the table and you know I say to them, "Have you started doing any bookkeeping yet?" And they all kind of you know they shake their heads and they say, "No, because we haven't really had any expenses yet. Um, you know, we 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 haven't made any money." any money yet and you know they they think they've got no reason to have started their bookkeeping right away but then they hand me a business card with a website url on it and i say well who paid for the business cards and who paid for the website and you can see them sort of like look at each other and say well i did or my partner did so right from the start you have to start tracking that your own money that you put mm-hmm. into the business because you're allowed to take out any money that you put into the business tax free before you have to start being taxed on your income so it's very important to start tracking that and then the other important thing can you can you pause with that cuz that one is so important Isn't and it? i think yeah. <laughs> exactly what you've said that a lot of our keen you know startup entrepreneurs don't know that so can you kind of just expand on that point as a just tell us even a bit more some of the things that would qualify and why this matters and because i know they're not thinking about it when they're starting out they're they're not you're right um one of the um and it, it's one of my favorite points to make and it's a real aha moment for brand new business owners you know and often mm-hmm. they think that they don't need to be tracking expenses or doing any bookkeeping until they mm-hmm. start making money but mm-hmm. most most businesses are are not started with you know, someone coming along and making a deposit of $20,000 in the bank account from their personal bank account, which right. would, would be an obvious thing that you would think that you need to track. Oh, I need to, you know, the shareholder is due $20,000 back before we start to, you know, once we're viable, once we're making money. But it's it's the drip drop of expenses that you meet, you know, when you're, when you're just start when you're bootstrapping and you're, yes. start, you're starting your business on the fly, somebody 
paid for that website. Somebody mm-hmm. paid to have the business cr- cards printed. And right away, you need to start tracking that as, as an expense. It's a legitimate expense for your business. You're allowed to deduct it. And you also have to record the fact that that money is owed back to whoever did pay for those things. Right. Right. And and the other interesting thing to remember is that uh, Revenue Canada allows you a few years, I think it's three years before you have to start making a profit in your business. So if, if this is your side hustle that you plan to turn into your full time business, if you if you make a business loss, um, mm-hmm. like I, I did in my first year, I had a, a part-time job and I was trying to get my business up and running. Well, by the time mm-hmm. I bought my laptop and the software and everything that I needed, my revenue didn't cover that. So I was allowed to deduct any expenses that my business made against my employment income in that tax year. Right. So track it all. Track it all. <laughs> so important. And do you want to just uh, underline that comment that you made just to to slow it down for people again, that Revenue Canada allows three years before making a profit in your business? Do you want to just kind of expand a little bit on that so people understand yes. what you mean? Yes. Well, obviously, Revenue Canada are not going to allow you to go on forever with a business that's making a loss because then you're just getting to start. You're just getting to deduct expenses. Mm-hmm. But they do understand that businesses won't won't make money. They may not make money right away, especially if there's a lot of startup costs to them. So if mm-hmm. you still have employment income and you declare that on your, your tax return, if you're mm-hmm. a solopreneur and you have self-employed income as well, and that goes on as a loss that year, it will actually mm-hmm. reduce the taxes that you would do. Mm-hmm. And th- this is so important because as you've mentioned, you know, how you track it and what you do with it, it's so important. And of course, the taxes are there. And so, you know, where we started setting how you kind of start with a financially business from day one is so critical. But what about, you know, unfortunately, this may happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some people don't set it up, Elaine, right. Yes, or, that's true. Or, you know, how do they go back and fix their mistakes? So, you know, because right away you, you can think of people thinking like, oh boy, Elaine is not going to like what I'm going to tell her. <laughs> so Actually, actually um it's it's quite easy to trace a lot of it. Um, okay. Because what most people do is at least keep the receipts. Right. Right. Or so if you have receipts, don't fret. This yes, is a good starting yes, point, right? Yeah. Okay. Or at least they're available. You know, like if you, you know, if you registered a website or your domain or something, you probably got emailed the confirmation for that. The, yes. The, the trick is to find out how it was paid. Did it come out of the business bank account or did it come out of you know, someone's personal bank account, either the solopreneur right. or one of the partners or something? That's that's right. always the hard part is to find out how it was paid. But as long as you've got as long as you've, you've got the receipts, we can prove that that's a legitimate business expense. But mm-hmm. if you have no record of how much something cost or, you know, who paid for it, you're Mm going to have lost that expense and you're going to end up paying taxes on it. 
So that alone should be a motivator for people. So what about um, even because you said legitimate business expense? So for if we think about our startup listeners who may not know what what that is, can you just briefly talk about that for their perspective? Yes. Um, so a good place a good place to look is um, for for what our legitimate business expenses is. If you're if you're a self employed, if you're a solopreneur, if you haven't incorporated yet, your um, your employment income, your self employment income, will go on your tax return on a form T two one two five. That's it's a part of your regular T one income tax return and you can just you can google it CRA T2125 and it gives you a whole list of what the allowable business expenses are CRA also has a lot of other you know details and information and publications about what you're allowed to claim but mainly so you're allowed to claim any costs that you incur to run your business that helps you make business income. So if you buy things to sell them again, like if you have a retail store and you buy things from vendors, obviously you're allowed to deduct the cost of them. You're also allowed to deduct, you're allowed to deduct salaries um, of any employees that you might have or subcontractors. If you have subcontractors, Um, you're also allowed to to deduct the expense of travel, office expenses, um, advertising and meals and entertainment such that it, it actually is involved in you incurring, like making a business profit. You have to prove the meals and entertainment. Technically, you're supposed to write on the receipt who you were meeting with and what it was about. Most people don't do that. But, you know, meals and entertainment are going to be the first place that gets questioned if you have a lot of them. You know, if you if you made if you made two thousand dollars in the year and you spent fifteen hundred on meals and entertainment, that's going to be a red flag. Right. And you're only allowed to claim 50 percent of those expenses. Already. So people need to know. And this is exactly why um, you're encouraging uh, our listeners to work with a professional because they know all of those interests. We, we, we know all of those things. And one of the other things about being financially fit from day one is to understand what money is what money is not yours to run your business with. So okay, so expand on that so yes, people know what yeah. you mean. So um I'm thinking in particular of trust uh, trust type money when you when you take in HST if you're HST registered mm-hmm. uh, to be HST you don't have to register for HST until you have made more than 30,000 in a year okay. right and by made, you mean sales. Yes, until your sales yes. are up over 30,000. And although you don't have to register for HST under that 30,000 threshold, um, by not advertising for registering for HST, if you don't have HST on your invoices and your sales, it's pretty much like advertising to the world that you're you're so new, you're inexperienced, you're such a startup that you haven't made $30,000 at your business yet. So 
I kind of encourage people to register for it right away. But when you collect HST money or when you collect income taxes, CPP and EI from your employees, that's never your money to run your business with. That's why I call it trust money, because you have to send that off to the government. So obviously that money is still sitting in your bank account, but it's like it's committed to the government. You have an obligation to send it. So it's very important to track that separately from what your actual income is. The money in your bank account is never how much money you have. Right, right. And so there must be approaches that people can take to to separate their trust money from their... Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what sometimes I set up in, in books and I call it other people's money. You know, because <laughs> it's, it's not your money, you know, and, and yes. I, I really like to, uh, I like to customize my chart of accounts to make it meaningful to the, the business owners until they get on board and they understand it, like break it down into plain English if, yes. if you need to. Um, but yeah, it's that, that's a totally separate account when you, you know, if you make a sale, that's $113, $13 of that you have to send to the government. It's not your right. money. You've only got a hundred dollars right. to spend. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you still getting sometimes, uh, particularly from your startup entrepreneurs, are they showing up to get your help, Elaine, with um, a shoebox? Does that still happen? You know what? It Filled do- with it, receipts? It does still happen that people come, mm-hmm. you know, and they've, they've got them either organized in some sort of file folder or not organized at all. And that, that used to be a big, dirty job, really, because... Because you'd be going through piles of, of right. receipts and you'd be sorting out, you know, that they'd, they, their kids, they'd got their kids' haircuts in there or whatever, <laughs> right. you know, and you had all of these. Somebody would have stood on them or spilled their lunch <laughs> on them. Um, but now that we've got such fantastic technology, it's so much easier to deal with those shoebox clients. So much easier. So what are your favorites? Which Which are the ones that people should be considering to help them get ready to talk to you? Well, um, I don't know that the business owners themselves would, would already have or be using some of these these technologies okay. that do that. So it would come from you? Yes, yes, it, it okay. would. It would so you, you have some favorites that you like to use? I, I do. I definitely do. So... Um, the, my two favorites for dealing with those shoebox clients are, yes. are called Receipt Bank okay. and HubDoc. I haven't heard of HubDoc before. What's well? You well, know what, tell us both. Yes, yeah. yes. So um, there's a couple of differences between there's a couple of things that Receipt Bank and HubDoc do the same, and mm-hmm. there's a couple of things that you know. There's like HubDoc. HubDoc is essentially a hub for all your documents. It's yeah. a it's a Canadian success story. It was started nice. by two guys in Toronto, um, two, the two Jamies, uh, who had worked together in a previous business and found that their biggest pain point was getting information to their bookkeeper. So mm-hmm. HubDoc will now, if you, if you put in your bank, just your bank card and your bank password, it will go and fetch all your bank statements and bring them all in to one central place. Wow. It will do the same with your your like your mobility, your cell phone, your utility bills. If you have utility, it will, mm-hmm. you know, it'll go and bring in all your bills 
um, your Rogers, your Bell, your Telus, whatever. It'll bring mm-hmm. them all in. And from there, you can publish um, the expenses to the your, your software, like to QuickBooks Online that I use. Uh, it okay. also publishes to zero as well. Um, but what the one thing that both of them do, Receipt Bank and HubDoc, and this is where the shoebox comes in, is if you come to me with a shoebox now, I'm going to pop mm-hmm. them all into my big scanner. Mm-hmm. And it's going to scan all of those pages, and then I'm going to give you them back. And we say, "Here we are. Oh, wow. Take your box away. <laughs> I don't want it again." And, right. And the the OCR, the optical character recognition of programs like Receipt Bank and HubDoc, is so advanced now that it will extract all the data. It will read the it will read the, the supplier's name. It will read the date. Um, it will it'll take the amount and extract the tax for you, and you just need to tell it where you want to post it to. Like in Receipt Bank, I could go through and say, okay, all the Petro Canada receipts that were in that shoebox, grab them all together. I want you to post them all to Fuel and expenses. Take H- HST and then just publish them right through to QuickBooks from there. So that's amazing. I know. I love so it. <laughs> It's so much easier. And so so that is something that the entrepreneurs themselves in conjunction with someone like you could do. So would they would they set up Receipt Bank or HubDoc through your account or do they get their own? I, I always want to talk about the practical steps yes, so people understand yes. what to do. So for the most part, um, I mean, if you set it up, you can invite your accounting professional as a collaborator. But I see. Okay. Our, the accounting professionals, um, we have, like when we log into our program, we have a dashboard and we see all our clients in there. So most often we set up for our clients within our own dashboard and we send them the invite for it. I see. So, okay. And, and the big so that's thing, helpful. The big thing is that uh, while it works for you know, the catch up on the shoebox clients and mm-hmm. um, going forward, your you, the business owner submits everything directly to one of these expense capture programs. You know, they can take a picture on their phone while they're out. Uh, you know, fabulous. if they've had their meals and entertainment, they just open their receipt bank or their hub dog app on their phone and they just mm-hmm. snap a picture of it and upload it. You can forward by email, you can drag and drop. Um, and I, I never get paper from my clients anymore. It's amazing. It is. And, and so is, so I think about like our, our, our shoebox person, because we know you've told us that you're meeting with young entrepreneurs who, or startup entrepreneurs who are maybe behind on what they're supposed to be doing. So, um, for them, uh, would this scenario be that, so they would work with you, but is there a certain amount, you know, can they do a hundred, 200? Like I'm thinking about people who might be behind. I don't know. Are there thresholds for how many they could do of their receipts? How does it work? Um, there's a threshold on HubDoc. I mm-hmm. think it's like 300 
I, but I can't remember whether it's per day or per month. They're, they're, I'm going to get into trouble for not knowing this. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> a, and people can go find it. But I just meant in general. Like, yes, there is. No, so. you can get them all yeah. in there. You can you can absolutely oh, you can. put okay. them all in there. Um, on Receipt Bank, they have like tiered pricing for how okay. much of your documents you're putting in. But, you know, when you when you think that the alternative is to pay someone right. who has, you know, who probably is qualified in accounting and has done a college or university degree and you're paying them to type. Yeah. You know, not the best use use of time or money. Exactly. This is wonderful. And so if we think about in terms of next steps, so if we look at our, our startup entrepreneurs who've now gotten themselves, they've streamlined their financial management because they're working with Elaine, you, <laughs> and you've got them all ship shape. Now, you know, so, but what's that tipping point when they should start outsourcing or hiring talent to take over their finances? What, you know, what in an ideal world, what would you advise people? Tell us the step. Ideally, I think um, a professional should handle your finances right from the start. Okay. And so that's an important thing for people to hear. Um, I I know sometimes talking to uh, new entrepreneurs, and that could be of any age and, and you know, but n- new to this pursuit, they say, well, you know, I'm not generating any income. So that's their first, you know, objection. But yet we know that I'm likely it's going to cost them more down the line, won't it? it you know, it, it will. And if you don't have the advice of an accounting professional, then, you know, especially about things like taxes and, and payroll source deductions, you may end up. So you may end up being penalties and interest to the government because you missed filing deadlines and you forgot to send them their share of the money that you collected. Um, And the other thing is that you may end up missing deductions that you didn't realize you would be able to claim, Um, Mm -hmm. especially things that didn't go through the business bank account yet, you know, things that you paid for yourself. Right. So, So. yeah. But, But realistically... You know, I know that people they they start businesses on a on a shoestring. You know, and, and mm-hmm. often, um, often there's a what what I think of as as you know like a oh my goodness it works moment because they you know <laughs> okay I'm yes. not I'm not usually that polite about it but you know it's, like, it's, it's usually this holy moment when you think, yeah. okay I, you know I so I started this and I thought there might be some demand for it but I still had my job and I wasn't taking it very seriously and now yes. I'm being flooded and my business has absolutely gone off the ground and I can't handle the bookkeeping anymore and I've got no idea what I'm doing. And right. I know for a fact I don't have that much money in my bank that QuickBooks says that I do, you know. Right, right. Now what? Help, so, Elaine. And so there often is that moment where they go, oh, I didn't, you know, I, I thought I could do this and I can't do this. But, you know, mm-hmm. if when people do start off in business, um, they should know that there's going to be some costs that are are unavoidable to starting the business. Mm -hmm. And one of them might be business cards. One of them might be your website. But the other one should be buy some time with an accounting professional who can tell you all of this stuff. And hopefully the the best thing is to set up your, your accounting system for you 
train you in how to use it and then check in with you every now and again. Yes, this makes total sense. So now we know, okay, you, you need help. So go get the help. But how, how, what are we looking for in terms of qualities, skills, characteristics? And, you know, it, it's a relationship and it's an intimate one in some senses, because whether you feel, you know, you want to feel confident if, if you're having to drop off a shoebox or if you, you've made some mistakes or you're looking for answers. So how do you determine who's going to be someone great to help you manage your finances? You know, Janice, you're, you're so right when you say that it is an intimate thing for someone to be managing your finances um, and to understand your business. The, the first thing to realize is we've seen absolutely everything. You know, it's just like when you go to your doctor and your doctor says that there's nothing to be ashamed of. We've seen everything. We've seen yes. people who are be- being successful right away. We've seen people who are, you know, struggling to get their first foot on the ladder kind of thing. Um, yes. But but you are, the studies have shown that um, businesses are 89% more successful if they work with an accounting professional. They're less, 89, yeah. 89% more. Wow. Yeah. They're less That's, likely to close. That is a very significant stat. So. And uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so the, they need uh, help. Yes. So the, the quality <laughs> yeah. skills and characteristics, be, because, because it's such a personal thing for, for mm-hmm. me and me, how I choose my clients that I work with yes. is we have to hit it off right away. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have to hit off. A you know, personal connection. Yes. So like to feel it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So get that from get referrals from mm-hmm. get referrals from other people who are happy with their bookkeepers. But mm-hmm. you know, a, a small business owner doesn't necessarily know whether a bookkeeper is doing a good job or not. Right. So another exactly. another thing is to when you're you're meeting with bookkeepers or an accounting firm or whatever is to do, especially with bookkeepers to say, have you worked with any accountants in the area, you know, who could speak to the quality of your work? Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's a great question right there. There's no, and I think it's worth underlining, yeah. right. For people to understand, because that's, yes, you're going to get referrals, but then you're going to find out if there's that positive connection between the bookkeeper and some Accountants. Yes. So there is actually, um, we're beginning to make inroads to standardizing the bookkeeping profession through the Institute of Professional Bookkeepers of Canada. So oh. look for that certified professional bookkeeper, CPB okay. letters after the name, and you'll C-P-P know. CPP or BP? Certified Professional Bookkeeper, CPB. Okay. And you'll Thank know you. that they've passed a test to become mm-hmm. um, a professional and that they've got the test and they've got experience as well. So this is helpful and important too. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. And one of the other things I would say is that um, you need to know what your own comfort level is with with the technology. You know, so if you're, 
like if you're fairly comfortable and tech savvy, look mm-hmm. for look for accounting professionals who are are already there. We're already on the cloud. We've already got the app ecosystem. We want to make things as easy for you as possible, you know, mm-hmm. and and you we should be managing you. You shouldn't have to manage us. Mm-hmm. So understanding the relationship and the responsibilities on both sides. Yes, definitely. Yeah. And when it doesn't work, and sometimes it wouldn't work, what what would be typically, what do you see uh, in your industry when there's that sort of, um, you know, it's just not working between a client and, um, and their professional? Well, most professionals are connected with other accounting professionals as well. Mm-hmm. And they would be able to make a referral mm-hmm. and say, you know, I think you might be a better fit for for this one. Um, right. It's the the last thing any of us want to do is have is feel that we're not serving that entrepreneur or business owner as well as they need to be served. Mm-hmm. So we'd rather pass it on to someone that might be a better fit. For them. Right. Like if I get someone that comes along and says, you know, I need you to come on site and pay my bills, write a check every two weeks. I'm not going to do that because that's not the way I work. I work remotely. I work on the cloud. Um, I don't see any need to go into businesses and manually write checks anymore. We've got an app mm-hmm. for that. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if that's what you want. I'll put I'll put that out um, in my bookkeeping network to see is there anybody that would be interested in taking this on because that's not how I work anymore. Um, but you should always leave, you should always leave things you know in a good state. For sure. But I like your point around fit. And I think that's important for entrepreneurs to understand that even if you get a great referral, you're likely starting a relationship that ideally you're, you're working with for a long time. So it's okay to, you know, wait and find that fit because if you establish a strong relationship, then you're really able to get the most value out of that professional. Absolutely. Um, That person should understand your business. And like, I always find that I, I I think I care more about my business, uh, my clients' business than they do sometimes. The financial <laughs> side of it, right? You know, and right. I'm, I'm still, yeah. even with all the technology and all they have to do is take a picture, I'm still chasing them for, you know, can you have the receipt <laughs> for that? And, you know, yes. but, but it's it's almost like I'm the, it's like I'm the CEO of their business, Right. Yes. They should be they should be warning you about upcoming dates and chasing you about upcoming dates. You should not have to feel that you're you know, you're worried that they're not doing a good enough job. You should know that they're on the ball all the time. That's great. It's such practical advice for people to understand how this ideal relationship can be, you know, and how valuable it is when you have that synergy between you know, the fit and the expectations. Yeah. I would say though, to make sure that you, you're you looking for someone who's qualified 
Like if mm-hmm. you're if you're in corp- you speak to that more. Yeah, like expand on what you mean. If you're please. if you're incorporated and you're you know you're going to have to file a corporate tax return, um, you should have a CPA that you work with as well that files corporate tax returns. And um, so the best the the dream team partnership is the business owner, the bookkeeper who is who works alongside you all year, tracks all your expenses, produces monthly financial reports and gives you advice throughout the year. And then you have a CPA who um, takes over that file at the year end and, you know, looks at your tax strategy. But it's there's because there's so little regulation in this area, people with no experience and no accounting qualifications, no formal accounting qualifications, they can mm-hmm. call themselves bookkeepers and they can call themselves accountants. Wow. Yep. So the, so it's very important to use that referral and use your network to ensure that you're getting the kind of expertise that you think you are. Yep. And it, you know what? It doesn't hurt if you're not sure um, and you think they might be doing a good job. It, it doesn't hurt to just hire somebody to give it a second eye, you know, I look over okay. and say, you know what? It looks fine to me. She's doing fine. Okay. Which that gives you that added comfort. Yes, definitely. What, Elaine, are the two, two, I mean, there's many, but how about two of the top financial fails that you see entrepreneurs making over and over again? And when we think of our listeners, how can they avoid making these common mistakes? I think one of the, one of the first fails that I see entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. making is, it's too much networking at the start. What do you mean by that? I know that might sound a little bit strange given mm-hmm. that, you know, it's important. To, it is important to get out and meet with other people, you know, at maybe startup events that are in the same place as you are. And of course, you want to get your name out there. So, you know, you might join a BNI or go to, uh, you know, go to a, a, a local meet networking meetup or something like that. But, mm-hmm. um, what sometimes I see people who are doing that and not making any time to actually work. Mm. You know, they're not On doing the stuff like that sales. makes them. Yeah. Yes, they're not getting the sales mm. in, first of all, you know. So you have to find that balance at, at this at the start, you know, like mm-hmm. do your work, do some sales, whatever it is that your product or services, you have to be doing that as well as the marketing. Yes. Right. And and yes. it hurts me when I, I I can tell from someone's financials what they've spent most of their time on in the last three months, mm-hmm. whether they were actually making sales and and bringing it bringing it in. And I know you might say, you know, well, how are we going to make sales if we haven't marketed and got our got our our, uh, our name out there? And that's mm-hmm. that's fine at at the start and to a to a certain amount, but you you've got to be making those calls. You've got to be making those sales. You've got to be, you know, if it's a service-based business, you've got to be doing the work for people, not, you know, not choosing to go to a networking event instead of doing the money that the work that brings in the money. Right. Okay. So the first thing is, is networking, but in it really in the right balance yes, and, and not it, at the expense yeah. of sales. And make sure that it's, make sure it's the right sort of events you're going to, you know, do you have a plan when you go to them? Who is it you hope to meet there? Why is this a good, 
you know, a good event for you to attend or a good group for you to join? How is it going to help your sales? Like, make sure you've got a plan. Don't just don't just run off to everything that you see that's a networking event. So having a strategic approach is really important. Yes, very much. And um, one of the other top financial fails that I see is um, really there's so many there, there are <laughs> right. you know, and, and it's yeah. got, but it's got to come back to finances it's there's so many mistakes that you can make in this area and and that's why like I often find myself overworked because I you know I see that someone's in trouble and I know that I've got the skills to keep them out of trouble Okay. And I, so I can't help myself, right? You know, <laughs> I'm always like, oh no, you don't want to do that. Like, um, but not making sure that you understand what your your legal obligations are when you start making money and you start hiring staff and things like that. Um, not understanding, not understanding what your 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 balance sheet and your income statement tells you that this is how much money you actually made, but this is how much money you still owe to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that's It's so important to just have a basic understanding of what your financial statements are and your, your obligations, your legal obligations. And um, one of the biggest mistakes I've seen people may, make mm-hmm. is not opening the brown envelopes when they arrive from CRA. So just hiding them in a drawer, ignoring them? Yeah, those, those things make people freeze. Like they could yes. be, it's a deer in the headlights when they get those things <laughs> because they think it's always going to be bad news. And it often isn't. But, you know, even if it's not going to go away, whatever CRA, want, they will not go away. <laughs> right. So it's better to open it up and stare at it and figure out what what do I got to do here? But and talk to a professional again. Get in touch with mm-hmm. you know. Get in touch with your accounting professional. And say you know I've got this. Like, scan it. Send it to them and say I received this letter. What does it mean that I need that I have to do? Um, mm-hmm. re- really, you know, your your accountant bookkeeper can be your best friends. They've seen lots and lots of small businesses over the years. We know when you need to panic and when you don't need to panic. And when you do need to panic, we usually step in as a buffer for you between you and CRA. Wow. Yeah, Isn't we, that helpful for yes. people to hear? Yes. yes. That yeah. you're not going through it alone. That if you take the time to build the right team... Right. And as you said, they can be so valuable. Um, it really can improve your business, as we know, by 89 percent. Right. Yes, that yes, was the stat. Yeah, yeah. It's very powerful. It is. What about, um, Elaine, any additional kind of tips or tricks that you'd like to suggest for our startup entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs in general? Those, you know, along the journey that maybe um, there's some things they're not aware of. Hmm. Man, there's so many. Um, I know. I know. Can I maybe talk about one of the things that I've seen recently that, Absolutely. that people Please are share. doing, which I think's yeah. uh, you know it's a it's a new problem. Is I see a lot of people setting up e-commerce sites because yes. it's so easy. So they just right. they add e-commerce to their business, and right. and they get someone to design the site. 
mm-hmm. uh, whatever e-commerce it is they're using, whether it's Shopify or big commerce or something like that. They get someone to design the site and load up all their items and they never check in with an accountant to figure out which taxes they should be charging, especially if uh-huh. they're selling, especially if they're selling to other provinces. Like there's, right. there's, a, there's like a 130 page document from Revenue Canada that describes which taxes you should be charging when you make sales to other provinces. Wow. And if you haven't read that, you need to speak to someone who has. Right. You don't need to, but <laughs> somebody needs to. Speak right? to someone who has. So yeah. it's, it's just, it's things that you don't know. You know, so surround yourself with a team, a team who wants the best for you, Um, you know, a financial team, a marketing team. Realize what your own strengths are and quickly, quickly outsource those that aren't your strengths. That's such a useful approach for people to understand that, you know, especially when you've tied it to the overall success of a business, that you will be more successful if you build that team of professionals that can help you. And also, you, you know, entrepreneurs can't be all things. So I love this focusing on the strength piece because um, that's how you can avoid making some of these really, really big mistakes that can be costly. Yeah. Can't. Can you give a sense, just sort of a Canadian sense of for fairly straightforward businesses, what they could expect, you know, the range of expectation in terms of bookkeeping? Ooh, that's a tough is one. That, that's is a, it? That's a tough one. Is there a place one. that they can get? Yeah. Is there a place, you know, because we always want to leave people with some practical, um, you know, sort of information. So is there is there a place where you can go and find out what they can expect in terms of fees? You know, it, it depends so much on on the client and the client's needs. And mm-hmm. I get people coming to me all the time saying, "Oh, I'm, you know, I'm I've got a very simple business. It's very small. <laughs> I don't do very much." You know, and you hear all those those warning bells right away. You know that they're they're not going to value what you do for them. <laughs> but right. but then then when you get into the file, you realize yes, you do have a very small business, but you know you've you paid this from your own bank account, and then you got this deposited into PayPal and then you had this deposited, you know, you received money by Stripe and you received it from Square and it's like to trace it all and pick it all apart is so difficult that it does become more costly. So um, one of the things that I will say is that there is a real move away from hourly billing in this field now and I think entrepreneurs should be actively looking for that if you're going to be hiring someone to work on your business you shouldn't get any shock bills you should always know so that you can budget you should make an arrangement with your accounting professional what it's going to cost and tie into a contract for you know at at least a few months to a year to say Mm -hmm. this is this this is the scope schedule and budget for our agreement and I know what I'm going to be paying all the time and there won't be any shock bills where you know some somehow it took you 15 hours this this month instead of the five that it took you last month Hmm. I love that scope schedule and budget yes. so it allows you to predict and also to start ideally to be forging a, a long-term relationship with a professional who's going to help you um, not just start but grow your business yes yeah it, 
It's wonderful. Well, it has been such a pleasure to speak to you today, Elaine, on accounting, QuickBooks, small business finances, everything that entrepreneurs need to know to get themselves organized. And your website, balancesheets.ca, is where Elaine, uh, and you've got resources for entrepreneurs and all the kinds of things that people will need to know when they want to connect with a professional yeah. accounting expert. Yeah. But to be honest, it's better just to find me on Twitter or find, go to my Facebook page or something like that, you know, or well, I'm, I'm usually, usually I'll, I'm usually reachable. Well, and with three decades of experience, I know. two continents. Makes me feel very and, old. <laughs> no, I think that's called wisdom, isn't it? It is. It, it is. But you know what the exciting thing is how everything's changing right now with all the technology. Um, it's I keep saying yes. there's never been such a sexy time to be in accounting. I, I love it all. I just love all the advancements and how it helps me serve clients better. Well, and thank you for all of the help that you do with Startup Canada and helping all of the Startup Canada entrepreneurs through your financial mentorship, Elaine. And as and can you tell people how to find you on Twitter? What? Yes, it's Elaine or Biz. Okay, Elaine or O R R Biz. B I Z. Yeah. B I Z. So, Elaine, thank you so much for thank sharing you your expertise on the show today. Thank you for joining us this week on The Thrive Podcast, a show inspiring, connecting, and educating women entrepreneurs across Canada. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to find resources designed to support thriving women-owned businesses across Canada. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada Podcast, hosted by Rivers Corbett. And to learn about the latest startup community news and events, like our popular startup chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Until next time, I'm Janice McDonald, leaving you now with a sneak peek of our next episode. This is Stephanie Fontaine, Vice President of Business Development for Weeby Canada and founding member of The Big Push. And you are listening to The Thrive Podcast with Janice McDonald. This is amazing starting point and solid advice for our women entrepreneurs. So um, we know we're going to talk about Weeby, but are there, you know, you said two or three other organizations. Are there others that you would point for women entrepreneurs to think about in terms of uh, building their network in Canada? Um, it, it really depends on um, what your objectives are. And I can certainly speak um, specifically to, to Weeby Canada because that is a, uh, we, we play in a very um, specific area, which is the um, businesses that are ready to scale and sell to um, corporate and public procurement entities. So it's really about doing um, your research and finding those organizations that are very um, strategically aligned with what it is that you're looking to do at the moment. And that may change. Like um, later on, you might leave an organization and go to another one that is more suited to um, a future goal. 
Well, and I like that idea. I think it's really important, Stephanie, what you're saying. Like, it's okay to keep evolving and growing and changing. And so if you're with a certain organization and you find that you need to expand your network and go in a different direction, that's okay. 